Spectacular, spectacular. No words in the vernacular can describe this great event. You'll be dumb with wonderment. Returns are fixed at ten percent. You must agree that's excellent. And on top of your feet, you'll be involved artistically. What do you mean by that? So exciting, the audience will stop and cheer. So delighting, it will run for fifty years. So exciting, we'll make them laugh, we'll make them cry. So delighting, and in the end, should someone die? And what does that got to do with anything? Coming soon this summer at theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 76 of Opening Weekend. I am Jason O'Connell and I'm trying to have energy because I listened to the beginning of the last episode and it was like I was at a funeral. <laughs> it's a very special 75th episode of Opening Weekend. What the fuck was wrong? What was wrong with me? I noticed that I was as like, well. How can I sweeten this? I can't. I was like, I could put trombones or something behind it or, or people laughing or clapping. I think you were nervous. Maybe you were That's nervous that Kevin was there. Yeah, I was nervous that Kevin was there. Maybe... That the, the neighbor was going to come, come and knock. Oh, well, no, yeah. no, but it was like the middle of the day. I don't know. I was lethargic at the top. And then, then I found my mojo, um, <laughs> courtesy of Richard Pryor and I was Robert say, Vaughn. About the time we got to, about the time we got <laughs> Superman 3. No, no. You, I didn't notice any low It was energy. literally just the opening. That's always where I can tell. It's, it, it's, I remember Ethan saying that way back when he's like, you know, just more energy right at the top because that's all it oh. is. Once we start talking, it's fine. It's always the welcome to opening weekend. 90% of the time, it's fine. And then every once in a while, I re-listen and I'm like, woof. <laughs> like, what's <laughs> Get an antidepressant. Maybe because it was episode 75, it was like a throwback. You were going back to the first exactly. one. Thank you. The first few. Because you, exactly. you were very tenuous in the beginning. You know, but now it's like Ooh. we start, you get, so many times you get so slap happy. It's like, ah! Especially, yeah, when we record in the mornings too. That was it. Maybe that's it. Mm. We normally do mornings now and it was like late yeah. afternoon. Maybe. That's what it is. That's exactly what it Write is. Write in, call in and tell us what you think <laughs> might have been wrong with Jason yeah. on the opening of episode 75. Go to iTunes, give a certain amount of stars to just his intros and then give stars for <laughs> oh, everything no. after that. But look, hey, 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 I'm here now. And I'm feeling fine. And I am once again joined by my dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week hey. we travel back to May 18th, 2001. And the wide releases of Shrek, the DreamWorks animated mega hit starring Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy and Cameron Diaz. And the romantic drama, I guess, is what we'd call it. Angel Eyes starring Jennifer Lopez and Jim Caviezel. I don't know how to say his name. Caviezel? Is it just? that it's let's just call him christ <laughs> jim christ uh <laughs> wasn't he he was the last temptation not the last temptation of passion, the uh passion the passion christ, yeah christ catcher um, he brought the passion christ uh, catcher the christ catcher that's that's the, uh, that'll be his uh, limited series on hbo max christ catcher i'm gonna find that guy <laughs> he teams up with ll cool j you <laughs> gotta catch christ all right ll take it easy you better be serious um <laughs> 
When am I not? Jim Caviezel. Caviezel's even Gleigen. Jim Caviezel and Catherine Heigl did a lot of great movies together. Um... Uh, that weekend also saw the limited release of Baz Luhrmann's big, bold, brash, visually arresting, spectacular, spectacular Moulin Rouge starring Nicole Kidman, Ewan McGregor, McGregor, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor and Jim Broadbent. But before we dive into the week's films, Fred and Dan, where were you boys in May of 01? Wow, this was an exciting spring. There was a lot going on, I remember, for me. I don't know about for you guys. It might have been a very boring oh. and dreadful spring. I hope oh, not. No. Oh, ooh, wait, I'm excited <laughs> just from the, Jason's reaction. Oh, oh no. Oh, I want to hear what was going on. This was good. I was right around this very, very time. I had just, a lot of things are happening. I just moved into Tribeca, to my apartment in Tribeca. Mm, Tribeca. Tribeca. Uh, I was living the dream down mm. there. Uh, and then Kate was going to move in with me just uh, about a month later. So I just moved in there. Uh, I, I believe we had our very first Lisa Jackson and Girl Friday show with the lines in with Zip Very thunk. first? Wow. I, I think it was the very first one, the Monday of this week. Yeah, where we played, cool. it was still me, Jeff, and Steve playing a Zip Thunk. Zip Thunk was still together. But then we also became, we were Girl Friday to Lisa. And I think that was her coming out show uh-huh, at the lion's uh-huh. den i think that was the very first one and i was also doing uh a show with the person who ended up helping us create this podcast i've talked about it before the vocal lords with our good friend ethan james yes. duff that's where i met him but we got i got my very first new york times review which was very very exciting for the show and and Kate framed it. I still have it. Nice. She framed it for me with an article that was written about the show. It was very exciting. And we were, I think I've talked about the show before on the podcast. It was. I saw it. It was great. I remember it. It was, it was a wonderful show. I loved it so much. It was a, a four, four hand or four person show. Mm-hmm. And it was about this, uh, this doo-wop group from the sixties. And there was these two old guys and the guy who wrote it, he would go to this printing shop on 42nd Street and he met the owner. His name was Marty. And just in passing, Marty started to talk about how he was in a doo-wop group. And he was like, what? And the writer was like, wait, what? what?" <laughs> and he went back and he started, and he's like, yeah, it was me and my best friend from Brooklyn, but we haven't spoken in years. We got into a falling out. So the guy who wrote it, Eric, brought the two of them together for a reunion and like just sat and listened to them talk and wrote this play based on it. So it was like a memory play. It was these two old guys in the show and um, they would go back and Ethan and I played the younger versions, Butchie and Tootie. It was at the theater at St. Clements on 46th street. And what they wanted to do to raise money was the director and the producer was like, you guys should go out. I want you to go to our investors because they were an educational program and they had all these big corporate investors and he's like, you guys should go and do, I don't know if it was his idea or it might've been Ethan's idea. Cause Ethan was very much, very much like he was with his podcast, like a get up and go mm-hmm. type of guy, you know, like he was a real doer. Like he had, he had no compunction about like making an ass of ourselves, <laughs> you know, for the sake of trying to get the show up. <laughs> and so we would literally dress up in like our little fifties garb and like our little, you know, pork pie hats. And we'd walk into these corporate offices and be like, Hey, I'm Butchie, I'm Tootie and we're here to see whatever. And we do these like singing <laughs> telegrams and we had a script prepared and we would sing like why do fools fall in love and smoke gets in your eyes and like we also ethan came up with the idea of 
to get, you know, because it's still, it's an off-Broadway show. It's hard to get, it's a new show. It's hard to get people there. Oh, you'd go so down we to TKTS and sing, right? That's a, yes. Oh, yes. So that's that. what we did. Yeah. So that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Because people don't, people line up for that thing. They don't know what they want to see. They have no idea. Exactly. Yeah. TKTS for, for, any, for any listeners who don't know, it's in the middle of Times Square and you wait online to get discounted tickets for Broadway and off-Broadway shows. So since our theater was Literally down yeah. the block from there, we would walk over to TKTS and we'd go up and down the line and same thing. Hey, how you doing? I'm Butchie. I'm Duty. We're going to sing. And we would sing Why Do Fools Fall in Love and do all this stuff acapella. And it was all Ethan. Ethan spearheaded the whole thing. <laughs> and it was all, and like, and we always got people at the show. Like people loved it. You know, because sometimes tourists are like, I don't know what to see. And we'd be like, well, you should see the vocal lords. It's great. They'd be like, what's the vocal lords? We'd be like, well, we're going to show you. Do I, whatever. And you, you bet, uh, you're but, better off than the guy who just wanders the line going, perfect crime. Go see <laughs> perfect <laughs> crime. <laughs> the longest running. This is about the pace of the show, by the way. And this is how it's. I had a friend who was in Perfect Crime. Every actor in New York's been in Perfect Crime except the three of us. You won the contest. No, so we're online, right? And I remember it was it was a dark day. I remember leaving the theater and at the time Ethan was like, Yeah, I guess we should go to because we had a matinee. So he was like, let's go to TKTS. And I just had a bad feeling. It was, it was a little overcast. There was a weird, like we knew something was turning. We knew like, you know, the show, we're like, I don't know. Is the show going to make it? Are we going to keep running? Like what's going to happen? And it, it just, we weren't in a good place. I remember walking over there. And so we walk up and we're like, hey, and I remember we were on the 7th Avenue side of TKTS and we're doing our thing. And I'm on this, sta- I'm standing on this like island uh, that's in the, in the middle and I'm sort of on the edge of the curb and we start doing our thing or performing. And there's this big dude and, you know, and his gang or whatever and his family like behind us. And they're sort of, we're sort of like competing for room to stand on this Island. And, (laughs) you know, we're singing on there and I can feel him sort of like trying to push me and I'm pushing back, you know, we're like back to back and we're, so we're sitting there and, and we're just, again, it's like this little battle, like who's going to stay on this island, who's going to get off and whatever. And, you know, and I just snapped. So we're sitting there and I'm like, do I, do I, why do food, don't fucking push me. And I, turned, I pushed him in the chest. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> and then, and he was wow. enormous. Oh, Fred. And I think he was like Russian or something. He was like, blah, 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 blah. and he started just talking <laughs> and, and he, and he, and he went oh, at me. Fred. And then I remember someone else from TKTS like held oh. me and they were like holding his back. <laughs> so we're like, hey, Ethan, yeah, Ethan and I looked at each other we're like, yeah, I think it's time to go. I think we've, oh. let's just, let's just chalk this up to, we're not, we're not selling any tickets today. And that's the day Vladimir Putin decided he hated the West. <laughs> So they come to bring family to show. Uh, Gorbachev tell me it's okay. Everybody nice there. No. All we want to do is kiss a spider woman. (laughs) I was trying trying desperately to remember something that was on Broadway in 2001. I don't know. I don't think Kiss of the Spider Woman was on Broadway then, but it seemed to work. He was trying to annex that little island that was in the middle of. uh, Oh, no. And you said, said, cry me me a river. I'm sorry. Oh. I was, I'll wow. show myself. Anytime Ethan and I see each other, anytime we hang out, inevitably there will be a point where Ethan just says, don't fucking push me. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. That's amazing. Danny, what do you remember? I know that in this year, in a couple of months from now, I go back down to Florida to do this um, play, uh, this Mark Harlick play called The Immigrant. Um, But I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. I honestly can't remember what I'm doing in this summer. Probably just auditioning and working. And have you moved in yet to the Forest Hills extravaganza? No, but the the events of this summer, spring and summer, are what leave Ah, me looking for ah, a new apartment ah, to live in. So it was, yeah, Christmas time is when I moved in with you One thing's for certain. We've just, I'm still recovering at this point from our annual Quattro de Mayo party. Ah. <laughs> oh, now, those were legendary, the best. legendary all day, all night parties. And it all started because the, for whatever reason, Cinco de Mayo didn't fall on the right day. So we decided to have a Quattro de Mayo, uh, which we misspelled to make it the Italian because <laughs> we were Italian. But the, but the, the, uh, uh, whole point of the, 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 um, party was to have the El Stupido Olimpico, which was in the backyard. We had a backyard. backyard. Who has a backyard in Queens? Yeah. I mean, in, in New York, but we did because it was Queens and the, yeah. the elevated tracks are right there. There's something to do with eggs, right? I remember Everything. eggs in the Stupido Olympics. Yes, we, yeah. had, we had like pass the eggs. egg re- under the chin. Everything <laughs> yes. had to do with your chin. Every every event. There was wrap somebody in toilet paper. There was stand oh, in a yes. bucket of ice, like ice water, which was impossible. It was so hot. It was like, well, this is doing nothing. Um, I remember we had to, I made people shove crackers in their mouth and then try to whistle and whichever team could whistle first. Like we came up with all these stupid <laughs> drunken games and everything was a shot. You had to do a shot of something. I made a big vat of, of, of sangria. Mm-hmm. Like I, I went down to hardware store and got a big like buck, you know, one of those big like <laughs> basins for like, wash, yeah. for like washing oh, a dog. Right. And, oh, you know, right. and we lined it with. God knows what. And this is the thing. Garbage bag. Yeah. We had garbage bags. Yep. We had our friend, uh, um, Amanda, who lived upstairs. We had this wonderful gay couple, Scott and Ray, who lived upstairs. And then we had this guy, Tony, who lived downstairs. Yes, Tony. Yeah, Tony was great. And every, the entire house, everybody would throw the party. Like, it wasn't just us. We would be like, here's the date of Quattro de Mayo. And they're like, we're on it. And it was that you could just sort of flow freely throughout the entire Into the entire house. building. So yeah, it was a full house. It was party. great. It was, that was such a fun, fun yeah. party. That was, I mean, in, in I remember that, that was almost more fun than the Halloween parties. Mm-hmm. Shut your mouth. I just remember. <laughs> <laughs> The Halloween parties were great, but I think it was because of the El Stupido Olympics. Yes, right. Those were fun. Right, right. right. And it was also, it was was like spring, so it was exciting, like we can go outside. I only remember one while I lived there. 2003, I remember we had one that was great. Um, You know, and maybe you had others, you know, that that just I was out of town for. But the only one that happened when I was living with you was 2003. And it was, it was like Christmas, the anticipation for Quattro de Mayo was was thick in the Did you guys have one that was like, it was supposed to be a white trash theme? Because I remember (laughs) going to one where it was supposed to be a white (laughs) trash theme. And literally I was the only, and I came decked, I I came with like a a sweatshirt cut off at the chest and like bad jean shorts and my stomach was hanging out and and I was the only person dressed 
in the what you would call a white trash <laughs> outfit. So you dressed in outfit. your everyday clothes, and everyone else dressed Pretty up. Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't recall that, but I just remember. I, 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 that does ring a bell of you showing up looking <laughs> differently from everybody else. And yes, going, what the hell? <laughs> under the funny. yeah, under the assumption that you were supposed to dress like to be like a trailer know, trash. Yeah. Thing. Like, like I was very like comfortable. Gay Epstein from Welcome Back. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. That was what I was going for. It was like Epstein, but Epstein showing a little too much skin. It's It's incredible that that's exactly what I was going for. And I had no idea that that's exactly what I was going for. And you just summed it up so succinctly. Which makes me, as always, straight horse shack. Now listen. God, wait, remember when we used to have a Welcome Back Cotter reference in every Uh, episode? Yes. In the the beginning. beginning. That was our thing. Because it started with Cliffhanger when you said, when you talked about, oh, pined about the fact that Stallone's character was named Gabe and you Gabe. said there are only two people you've ever heard of named Gabe one we went to school with the other one Gabe Kaplan and then yeah and then he kept coming up for like the first five six episodes and now he's finally and now he's back. back thank god um what heartbreak were you about to uh, go through Jason this, this, this seems- is when I was in I went to Texas Shakespeare Festival and I was playing Hamlet and it was my, I was so excited and, and it was amazing. I, I, this was, I am wearing the shirt, but it's not from that production. This is, this is from Hudson Valley's production, but um, yeah, no, I was down in Kilgore, Texas playing Hamlet, something I dreamed about forever. Uh, I'd been in a bunch of productions of it. I had been Claudius to Fred Berman's Hamlet. I had been the ghost of Hamlet's father at Hofstra. Um, I never thought I would get a chance to play him. I was over the moon, over the moon. And um, at this time, so we had probably just started rehearsals a week before this, this weekend. And, uh, and the thing about it was that I, I, while I was there, I I write about all of this and I have a, I have the one solo show about Batman, my Batman obsession called the dork Knight, And then I have another one, a newer one that's called, uh, fat and scant of breath. Uh, and it's about, it's about my, uh, my, uh, my other obsession with Hamlet and like all the different uh, ways in which that, that play has impacted my life. And then the, the biggest part of that show really is about this particular time in Texas, not only because I was finally playing the role, uh, you know, the title role, but everything that was happening at that time. I had so many existential crises going on (laughs) during the rehearsal process of that show. My grandfather was back in Long Island about to have heart surgery. Like he found out he had to have heart surgery. It was like very touch and go. He didn't want to do it. All this stuff was happening while I was away. Texas. Yeah. I mean, he had the surgery, like uh, it was like on my opening night or like the day uh, day before it was something crazy. Um, Jesus. So that was very difficult. I was in a relationship at that time and living in Queens uh, elsewhere in Astoria, not with Dan, with my girlfriend, uh, who, I had been with for a few years at that point, but things just never, things were never quite right there. And this was the moment. This was like the first time in our relationship that I got, a, I was far away from her enough to have some perspective on all of it, you know, yeah. because up until then it was like we were together constantly. We lived together pretty much as soon as she came to the city and it was like a, a, a stressful, stressful time. And getting to leave town for the first time in a couple of years to go do any play, but especially to sink my teeth into this, it was like such Mm -hmm. 
an eye opener. It, you know, it, it just it, anyway, while I was there in Texas, I was like, yeah, this is not I was able to really come to terms with like this really isn't this isn't working. And she was not there when I, you know, I was there for like two, three weeks. And then she came to, she was going to ride out the rest of the summer there. She was, a um, she was working on Broadway in, in wardrobe. Um, Mm. uh, she was a dresser on Broadway and she, but she was from that area. She was from Kilgore, Texas. And that's how we met was a previous summer that I had been working there. And so she was going to come and just kind of like work in the gift shop or something like she was just going to come and be near family, near me and spend the rest of the summer there while I was playing Hamlet. And she got there and right away it was like, oh man, we need to talk. And it was, uh, I mean, she was there like maybe a week and then she turned around and came back because we, we broke up like right at this time. And the reason I know that it was right around now is because, and maybe it was a, maybe it was a couple of weeks from now, because like I said, Moulin Rouge was in limited release, which probably means it was just in New York and Los Angeles or something like that. Mm -hmm. But we in Kilgore at the height of like, we're having these conversations about what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I think this is over. I think this is over. We like, we're like, let's go to a movie. We go oh. to see Moulin Rouge. Oh, of all things. The most outsized romantic, everything's love, love, oh. you know, like love is life and death. And Boy. and we sat there and I, I mean, it was, I'll never forget that experience mm. sitting in a movie theater with her in the midst of a breakup, watching fucking Moulin Rouge and wow. thinking to myself, Boy, I should have seen Angel Eyes instead. No. I was just going to say that, Fred. Damn Had you it. seen Angel Eyes, I would have tied everything I up. I would have known. I would have kissed her someplace she's never been kissed. <laughs> and then it would all work <laughs> out. And she would have been like, yes, he is a catch. <laughs> I said, wait, what? That's not my name. Or maybe it should be. Perfect. Perfect. I'll tell the Moulin Rouge story when we talk about Moulin Rouge. <laughs> but let us segue now into Angel Eyes. Why would you do that? Jump somebody with a gun. I figure it was worth the risk. You have a nice smile. What I want to know is how you happen to be walking by that stadium at that minute. I guess we were supposed to me <laughs> okay, what I do to do hey, hey. is it no concern who's this Bob you named your dog Bob no that was his name he told you yeah you never said a word about yourself the other night we can start from here I'm not gonna know anything about you I need the details <laughs> What is it you're looking for? Tell me straight out, who are you? While pursuing a suspect on roughly the one-year anniversary of a horrific traffic accident, which, don't you worry, will cast a long shadow over the rest of these proceedings, Chicago police officer Sharon Pogue, played by Jennifer Lopez, nearly becomes the victim of a fatal ambush until a mysterious stranger, Catch, played by Jim Caviezel. Intervenes, disarming the assassin and saving Sharon's life. A concerned citizen who just happened to pass by at the right time? Don't you fucking believe it. Sharon and Catch have met once before, you see. Car accident. <laughs> the beginning of the movie. 
As the two fall in love, which is understandable on his part, as she is Jennifer fucking Lopez, and less explicable on her part, as he is essentially Norman Bates, if Norman Bates were a homeless pedophile, (laughs) they discover the truth about each other and are forced to deal with the secrets from their past. Horrible car accident. Horrible, horrible car accident. Angel Eyes made $9.2 million over its opening weekend, taking in $24.2 million domestically on its way to a modest $29.7 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what do you guys think of Angel Eyes? I don't think I've ever seen of Eyes or Cable, Cableman <laughs> in a movie. Who has the Angel Eyes in Angel Eyes? Is it her? Is it him? He seems I, to I be because the movie's setting it up like, oh, he's an angel, and then it goes, an and angel. I'm like, oh, we're in Michael Phenomenon territory, but exactly. we're not. Exactly. I kept waiting for the the Shyamalama Ding Dong twist <laughs> or something. I was like, oh, he's gonna be, he's gonna be dead, or well, he's gonna be an angel. Also set up that the mother in law is God. Like it's it's fully like, oh, she's God. He's an angel who reports to God and brings God food. <laughs> oh, <Yes. laughs> brings God. You're right. Food. It was very absolutely weird. Yeah. I, I was like, and that's the, the more interesting way to go. I think I thought I kept thinking, yeah. I was like, this guy's clearly an angel. He's an angel, uh, whatever. <laughs> but then when the there is a Shyamalan esque twist, which is like, he's not an angel. He's the guy from the car. And, and I was like, oh, so that guy didn't die. They make you think he died. And this is him oh, coming yeah. back in a form that she does not. That, that I thought angel eyes meant his eyes because she looks at him and she's like, he has huh, very distinct eyes. Eye, I thought the eyes were the only thing. That maybe in this new corporal form that she recognizes the something about the yes, eyes because yes, everything's yes. through yeah. his point of view at the beginning. There we don't go. see his face. So I thought, oh, it's because he's he doesn't look like Jim. He looks like Gene Hackman or something. And then he <laughs> then he comes back to Earth, Michael Phenomenon style, as Jim Cavazel with Caisel. those eyes. Um but then they kept showing the boy, the little boy that he's that he's creepy That's around. Right. And I thought, oh, maybe was was he a little boy? That's before? what I thought. Was it Fred, a kid that's what who I, thought. Died? I was like, he's the little boy. Or, no, he's a boy. Then then he grows up, and now we're in. Now it's almost big. Now we're in big or or what's that movie? With Fred Savage. <laughs> oh no, oh. what's that Fred Savage movie? Like Father yeah. and Son. Vice versa. No, that's Kirk Cameron. So vice versa. I thought we were in vice versa territory. <laughs> I didn't know what oh, but. Here's the thing, you guys. I cried like four times oh, during this thing. I oh, think maybe because wow. I watched it during COVID. I think yes. maybe because yes, I Dan was just has like, COVID. I don't think I have we COVID mentioned right that now. at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, and maybe. I, you know, I don't know if I just was in an emotional place. Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez. I've not seen very many Jennifer Lopez movies. In fact, I can't really tell you if if I have. You know, you, didn't you see? But, did you see Out of Sight? No. Oh, no. dude. You gotta oh, see that. I'll see it. Movie. I'll see it. Yeah, she's no, she's really very good. good. She's very, very good. And she's feisty and she's the tough cop, right? And uh 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 it doesn't take any shit. And I like that. It um, you know, I, I like the the setup of her whole journey and her whole story with the family and she and there's a history of abuse there and all of that stuff. I mean, it's it's I actually like the scenes. The, the fact that it, she doesn't fully reconcile with Victor is Victor Argo again in this one. Right. Yeah. Um, I like that stuff. But it, the problem with the movie for me is that he plays it like too much of a simpleton 
you know, in the early going. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying that she's just going to suddenly look into his eyes and fall for Jukaisel. There's, there's no way, not there's no all. way a police officer, a savvy police no officer way. would get anywhere near that guy except to arrest him. <laughs> Everything's Especially about when she him. walks into his apartment. Yes, there's nothing When she walks there. into his apartment. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I, I that's it, right. It, yeah, exactly. It looks like he's like a strange, uh, like a homeless man, <laughs> the sweet man. And she walks in there. There's nothing. There's the mattress, a on the mattress on the floor. And then he's got a drawer full of skeletal. And it's like, come on. I, I never heard of it. I don't me remember neither. a me thing neither. about it. Like, I obviously didn't Taylor say it. Taylor said it was on cable and, all and the, the time same, when she was growing up. Probably. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, a complete, even when you mentioned it, you know, in the last episode that was coming up, I was like, wait. Well, I had a vague recollection of the, po- like, I knew it existed. I remember the very, the white poster with just Jennifer Lopez's features. And, but I thought it, it could have been anything. I had no idea she was a cop. I didn't know anything huh. about it. Anything. No, knew nothing uh, about it. I just knew it existed. I mean, watching it, I really did not like it watching it. But then <laughs> afterwards, like thinking about it afterwards, I'm going, okay. I, yeah. I, I like what they were trying to do. I thought the intentions were good because, again, I was yes. very confused because I thought, uh, yeah, like we said, I thought it was going to be about, there, there was going to be a twist. It's going to be something supernatural or he's going to be an angel. He's dead. He's he's some other form. Then, but it's yeah, they re- twisted it the other way. Yeah. And it's Into really earthbound it's a, it, way, it, it, which is to me less interesting. I'm like, if you're going to go for it, go I, for it I, instead I, of it being like. I guess. But I just think. If the setup, they they, they they set us up to expect something and it was what we got was so much, I don't want to say simpler because it's really like thinking about it, I'm going, oh, this is a movie about trauma. It's about people living right. in trauma and it's about That's forgiveness right. and moving on. It's just, and I love all, and so here's the thing, I, I narrate a lot of audiobooks in the romance uh, category and- they are, and, and, and they're all pretty much the same, the, at least mm. the ones that I do, that they're all like these tortured souls that, that you know, they have these mm. tortured pasts and they don't think that anyone could love them or they could love anyone. And inevitably, you know, there's all this doubt and inevitably they have to push that past and forgive themselves and they come together. And I'm and once this was done and I was like just letting it, you know, sit for a while, I'm going, oh, Oh, this was just, a, this was a romance novel. This I've seen romantic mm-hmm. movies. We've all seen romantic movies. Uh, we love romantic movies. This Baby's was out, a- Disorderlies, nothing but trouble. <laughs> no, but this was up. really, it dawned on me, I go, I don't know if I've ever seen like a true romance novel type movie. That yeah. to me is exactly mm-hmm. what this, suddenly I'm like, oh, I can yeah. see the cover on the paperback, you know, and the five and dime, like spinning the rack, like this angel eyes. Uh, you know, <laughs> and that's eight. why this sentimental a-hole was crying at the end. His scene in the cemetery, I was a mess. Yeah, but there was no, I didn't, oh my God. I didn't feel like, it, none of it was <laughs> earned. That's the thing. The intentions. It's not earned because he plays like a simpleton. But both of them. He's, even do, he's the, doing two Tim Robbins in that horrible movie where he plays a oh Mystic River. Yeah. He's Tim Robbins in it. Mystic River. That's the worst Mystic thing in River, the world. Mystic River, War of the Worlds, Bob Roberts. He, everything he plays a simpleton. I'm kidding. Oh, I don't know my Bob God. Yes. Yeah. Gosh. His marriage to <laughs> Susan Sarandon. Oh, Jesus. Were they ever married? Don't know. But it's never, like I said, there's, they, they, they're, you know, the, the intentions are good about showing just, and that would have been a great movie on its own. You don't need to set up all that mysterious twist, but just about these two people who are dealing with their own 
own traumas from the past and can they push through and maybe, but they just, they come together too quickly. Yes. I, I don't really, I don't buy, buy some of the Speaking stuff of they've come gone together, through. The scene where they hold each other in the middle <laughs> of, of, of uh, what's the big park in Chicago, Millennial Park or wherever the that hell was they crazy. are. Yeah, that was and the kiss, kiss me someplace mm, that I've never been kissed. Mean, Kiss what? me someplace I've never been kissed. He kisses her on the bottom of the foot. Nonsense. To which he should have been like, ew, gross. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. But then they 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 have a, no, what do they do? Are they just sort of, they're not writhing. They're not really humping. I didn't need to see <laughs> humping. Just, I didn't need to see anything. They're, but they're just, just kind, kind of, of sitting in a, in up, a, hugging each other, cradling like, each other. Yeah, yeah, they're just kind of nakedly hugging. Yeah. They're just having a yeah. naked hug. And it's like, okay. <laughs> okay I mean, I, I think they were having... Sex, yes, Dan. but it didn't look. It did not look like good sex. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like Jim Caviezel was just kind of like rocking back and forth, like a you know, like a trauma victim. Yes. And she was like, and she like was just the- arranging her genitals around his. Maybe <laughs> I guess because it did not exactly. look like how two bodies have sex. <laughs> Exactly what it looked like. <laughs> it was like the the, appe- the third appendix of the Kama Sutra. If you don't want to, if you just have trouble arranging, just hold each other nakedly oh, and comfort each other. If you with two trauma victims get together, this is how you start to okay. try to do it. His face should have been totally reconstructed oh. or something because the beginning of the movie is we see like it's like thirty minutes of we're at the scene of the accident and she's like just keep looking at me. Hold yeah. on, hold my hand. Hold on. Her, her face that is right forever. in his fucking face. We don't know what he, who he is, what he looks like, whatever. But then, if you're going to tell me that that's the same guy and his face does not look significantly different, I don't believe that she's not like, oh, guy whose hand right. I held for three hours. Oh, you are here loving me now and rocking into me gently <laughs> with your nub and saving me from <laughs> villains. And I just didn't buy that uh, she didn't under the bean. I didn't the buy bean that, in she, Chicago. that she didn't recognize him, that she didn't remember him. I didn't under a bearskin, under something. a bearskin, something also. And the whole thing with her, I mean, the romance went nowhere for me. The revelation that he was not an angel, but like just the the guy who survived the crash and is now walking around like fucking K-Pax and, uh, you know, and Starman <laughs> and just like looking at things like he's like a fucking alien. He's like the Terminator. Yeah, he's like, he's is. got the, the trench coat and he's like, oh, give he's me that. Trench what trench is this? What is this? Hand me that. He couldn't stand any of that. And then her plot line, I hated too. This movie, above, this is what the two threads have in common. This is what her life with her father and brother and his life of like getting wildly distracted in cars. It's, it's a movie about the horrors visited upon women by their husbands. That's what it is. It's yes. like he kills his whole family because his the child that that's also not good filmmaking the accident and the child's role in the accident that's the are the worst, worst thing in the movie. most disturbing that's thing, the in, the thing in the movie well first the kid throws a skeletor <laughs> throws a skeletor at his head right. while he's driving i don't know what it is he throws a toy that. at his father's head <laughs> it's not even like daddy i love you i love you too champ you know it's it's daddy and hitting you with toys. He's turning back over his shoulder. Clearly, it's like a rainy day. There's like Mack trucks on the other side of the road. How are you looking yes. away from the road? Get the fuck out of here. And then and then the kid does the like, no, 
Daddy. It's forever. That last forever. Forever. that child does is very, very uh, disturbing. And uh, yeah. And then, you know, it's about Jennifer Lopez. Her brother hits his wife. Her dad hit his wife. And and then you. I didn't buy that they were related at no. all, though. I was like, Jeremy's sister and Jennifer Lopez? I don't I understand. I thought they were fucking. Was he adopted? I they were fu- at first, I was like, oh, there's a guy she's fucking. <laughs> oh, wait. That's her brother? I thought that's that was, brother. yeah, I thought it was her ex-husband yes, when he was first introduced. And then I'm like, wait, that's uh. her brother? But that doesn't make any sense. She's got like this thick, like, you know, you know, Jenny from the Bronx, Latino accent. Uh, then so you got Victor Argo and Sonia Braga. And then who's got Sonia Braga. Sonia Braga? She brought me she's back. Beautiful. She's lovely. She's just, lovely. Such a crush the on her. The movie did yeah. not give her much of anything to do. I was like, mm. no, not a hell of a um, lot. No. But Jeremy Sisto just seemed out of place in that family. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. Here we go. Why don't you calm down? Exactly. Uh, it was an accident. Have you seen her face? It looks more like a car accident. Oh, very funny. Look, I told her 25. Shut up! I'm telling you right now. You lay hands on her again, and I'm gonna arrest you myself! You're just like him! Oh, yeah, and what about you? You're absolutely right, Jason, the more I think about it, but... <laughs> I gotta uh-huh. say, something happened within me watching sure. this movie. Like I, I tear, I teared up. COVID so it happened. This was the. I, I think I got the Kavail <laughs> variant because <laughs> something happened inside of me, and I was like, "Oh, now it's won me." Over. It didn't win me over, but I was like, "Okay, it's 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 got me enough that I that I." Um, you know, it is all three movies this week are about sort of like the nature of love and, and the, and the, uh, and the, and sort of mismatched mm-hmm. love, right? Love that's not supposed to make sense. Sure. And it is, it is an absurd premise and you're absolutely right. I think what they were trying to do with having him sh- finally actually showing his face in the accent is that, oh, she couldn't have recognized him because he's so disfigured but he's not yeah. disfigured enough it's he's not disfigured at all. he's just got blood on his face at all <laughs> this man has some blood on his face but i mean i'm i guess i'm talking about like the scarring and all the you know this took so much shit on I his guess, face yes was there i see i didn't even think there was that much i guess you're right i guess that's what the thing is is that he's but i mean he's not like caked in blood he's got some blood <laughs> spattered here and there i'm still very aware it's jim caviezel but even yeah, it doesn't make sense. I was going to say, even if it was like this was like she was she worked with a lot of trauma victims. Like that was her thing. She not was a police officer, but she was like a, a, an EMT, you know, worker. And she saw I people she was an EMT in, the beginning. In, in crashes all the time. But still, I feel like right. if you were that close to someone who was that close to death. <laughs> You'd you would that that person. face would not leave you so soon. So yeah, it didn't make any I sense. Suppose. And you're right because they were building up the oh oh what happened in the beginning? How do they know each other? And you're like, well, that's from the car crash, <laughs> of course. It's the guy. But but right. there's got to be the twist. He's, he's he died, or there's the, the, you know there's going to be some Shyamalan whatever some twist <laughs> coming, and it just no. wasn't. And it was just about. <sighs> And there was, there was a lot of bad. It was not written no. well. There was a lot of bad dialogue. There was a scene where she's she literally said she's asking him. She's like, "Tell me, you know, tell me about yourself. Tell me something." And he says, "No." And, and he was like, "What do you want me to say?" And she goes, "I don't want you to say anything." And I'm like, "But no, you literally were just saying say something." And now you're saying it just. I don't know. Jennifer Lopez. She was fine. She just had a lot of. Bad dialogue to. Uh, she to doesn't work know what through. she wants. She's 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 this way. She's that way. <laughs> one dog goes one way. One dog goes the other way. 
they they were fight they were walking down the sidewalk and they're screaming and yelling at each other and I just kept looking at the extras walking by. No one stopped to look right. at them. I hate that. No one stopped to look at this couple screaming and yelling and Did you see when he gives her the dandelion dead right? dandelion? She puts it in water, but when he when he first tapes it to her, he tapes it to her mailbox right. of her apartment yeah. building. And there's you know the little slits in the mailbox. It makes a cross. It makes oh. a big cross, and at the top is the top of the dandelion, and it kind of looks like a crown of thorns. And I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a whole well, there's, Christy, it, it, you know it, what I mean? There's going to be a when whole he thing walks with into this. the um, to, when he sees the the neighbor, uh, the woman with the little boy at the beginning, she opens the door. There's yeah. a giant painting of Christ behind her. I mean, yes, there's a, a lot, lot of, of yeah, that. a lot of religious iconography in there. Yeah, and when he goes, when she goes to see the brother, he's re- renovating a church. <laughs> yeah, is I he think not? You're right. Oh, he's yeah. in construction. So there's a lot of that, and, and a lot the of misdirection movie keeps taking you yeah. in that direction. Yeah, exactly. It's misdirecting you so hard to believe that this is a Michael phenomenon kind of a movie that when it's not. When it's earthbound again, you kind of your heart does sink a it's little bit. It's disappointing somehow, but it's, it's all, yeah, it's weirdly disappointing. Even though I was like, yet, oh, "This is so stupid," yet, I know right away what's going to happen. You know, they think they're clever because they're like, <laughs> "Everybody's going to think this is an angel," but he's just a fucked up guy, yes. and they think that's brilliant. <laughs> but for some reason, you're like, you're right. "Just show me where his wings sprout out of his back," and he says, "Let me fly you over the moon." You know, I, mean, I just want to see him finally become an <laughs> angel, and then just. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm ready to turn it off. Just give me the money shot of him becoming an angel. I don't know. I, I'll tell you, maybe it's because they show, because it is a payoff. What I'm about to say is a, is a, is a, a, a payoff to something earlier in the movie. But because they show the footage of him killing his whole family in the car accident so close to the end of the movie, at the very, very, very end, when... They're about to get in the car and he looks at her with a big shit eating grin and says, I'll drive. Oh, it's terrible. That Those are the most frightening oh. two words ever uttered on screen. You've just seen the guy kill everyone. Exactly. And he's like, don't worry, I'll exactly. drive. And that's when she should be like, maybe you're not ready yet. You just came to terms with killing your whole family in a car. Maybe I'll drive this time. She, I mean, she should have said that from the start when she first met him, when she first walked into his apartment. She should have known immediately, this guy's insane. Maybe I need to walk away. Because, yeah. You're, like, yeah, there was nothing about him. But she's Jennifer Lopez. She can't get a date. That that was made very clear. She just right, has no, no chemistry good. with anyone. She's only Jennifer Lopez. Where's, it's not uh, like it's Francis McDormand where? walking around like, I don't know. I can't, you know, dating and me don't what mix. What do you have against Franny Nothing. McDormand? I'm just saying, you know, Jennifer Lopez doesn't even have to think and she's on a date. She's like, oh, shit, here's my purse. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a mocktail. Oh, I'm arranging my genitals around someone. Wow, I didn't. This is crazy. I was making an omelet. And now I, I've got A-Rod. I've got A-Rod's A-Rod. I've got A-Rod. It belongs to A-Rod. <laughs> I was trying to think. I'm like, okay, what are just like straight ahead romance movies? I'm thinking The Notebook. Mm-hmm. All right, but but that yeah, at least one. there's so much. There's great acting, great writing, you know. And there is a there is a, a little bit of a twist. It's, I don't want to say a twist, right. but it's a beautiful payoff at the end, you know. And you really like yeah, it. Des- it destroys you. It's lovely. This yeah. had not. This was just. 
again, and maybe it's because of these books that I've narrated and I've read and I'm just like, oh my God, that's what this is. Just put on screen. And I've just never seen a movie like this. How many, you know, uh, yeah. how many Sheila's? I'm going to go, uh, because I did edge into me, I don't know if liking it is strong, but I guess recommendable just because I like her so much. She's great. And, um, it did move me. I, despite everyone's best intentions, including the <laughs> filmmaker, it, 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 moved, it moved me. So I'll go just over the line. I'll go 5.25. I'm oh, wow. just, just over the line because I, I, I don't know why COVID's to blame, uh-huh. I think, but I think I, I teared up at least four times in the middle of this thing. I, I think I'm in the four range. I'm all right. Yeah. I, like That's I said, fair. watching it, I really was going, boo, I don't, I don't like this. But then, you know, a couple of days later, I'm like, oh, yeah. interesting. But I'm I'm too. I, 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 the only Ooh, thing I liked about it is Jennifer really Lopez. Like I really didn't like anything else about it. So, and I was like, do I give it one for Jennifer? I'm like, no, I'll give it two for Jennifer Lopez. Mm. She's, she's carrying yeah. it on her back. So you weren't, so you weren't a, a believer when you saw Jennifer Lopez's face, <sighs> you weren't a believer. Yeah, ca, 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 ca. This movie wasn't <laughs> Jim, Jim Caviezel wasn't uh, an all star. Yeah, game on. Yeah, let's play. Yeah, these. Are, or did you just want to smash Catch's mouth? Also, wait, can I just bring this up? He says, "What's your name, Catch?" At no point, That's someone. Never, no point in the movie does anyone no, go. No one. Wait catch? a second. What is catch? What does that mean? Yeah. What, what does, does that mean? That? I'm making this up now, but it's the only thing that explains anything. Catechism? No, no that's yeah. something. Catch? Oh, okay. Does the fucking Maybe. kid say catch when he throws the toy at his father's head oh, in no. the car? Probably not. <laughs> but that's literally the only thing that can explain. Oh, or no. does he think, if only I had catched it? If only I caught it? If only I caught Skeletor? Caught it. That's what, that's what He-Man it. thinks all the time too. Oh, I've only had caught Skeletor. <laughs> oh my God. My family would be alive. I don't know. There's no, yeah, there's no. No, he is the catch. He's the catch uh, the, with the movie. It's, I don't know. I just never understood that no one at any point. Wait, what? Did, did you, what? What's it? Cad? Catch. Cat? Ca- catch. Your name is Catch. To make these blood stains during the action, they did use ketchup. Oh, so maybe he got. Please cut that from the podcast. <laughs> Put it beyond the paywall. I'm going to smash your mouth. <gasps> oh, oh you got Now you got a bad reputation for that joke. <laughs> Hallelujah. These are all things on the soundtrack of Shrek. <laughs> Uh, you guys, I have to poop like 12 racehorses. Race Fantastic. <laughs> I will be back. You've never had a poop break on the podcast. Well, I'm not one that anyone has admitted to. We've had not pee one breaks. That anyone knows about. <sighs> I should probably pee right, as well. Let's, let's pee. All right. Let's all pee. Two weeks later. Did you guys ever poop and then get dizzy? Because I just did. Uh, okay, COVID. okay, okay. Go ahead. Listen, Go ahead. no. Do I need to it's lay really down? funny. It's funny that you mention that. I swear to God, the next audiobook I'm narrating is called Flush. And it is about. That sounds romantic. Science. You said you never do romance <laughs> ones. <laughs> it's about poop. And it's Wonderful. it's by, I, I think his name is pronounced Brian Nelson or Bryn Nelson. Um, by IP but it's freely? about. It's very funny. I mean, from what I've been reading, it's very, he's got like a very like David Sedaris bent to it, but it's about the science of poop and why it should be used 
more to, you know, like you, you, we recycle other things. Anyway, uh-huh. the, the part that I was reading yesterday, just like doing prep, was a whole thing about how sometimes when, you know, when you, when you poop and you have that feeling, it's almost orgasmic. It's like this release and you can feel dizzy. I got a little dizzy. It was sort of a euphoric feeling. But yeah. the other thing that happened was like, you know, you know, when you're done with it's like it's almost it's like with COVID, you're done with COVID, but COVID's not done with you. I was done with poop, but poop was not done with me. And it had a second round. Like I was like, OK, I've wiped, I flushed. Boom. Oh, oh, hang on a minute. Back I go. Back down the pants go. More is happening here than I bargained for. A lot like Shrek. <laughs> DreamWorks Pictures invites you to a land of fairy tales. Hey! Oh, no, 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 no. Dead girl off the table. Where are we supposed to put her? The bed's taken. What? Where an unlikely hero... Ah! You definitely need some Tic Tacs or something, because your breath stinks. ...rescues a fair princess... You didn't slay the dragon? It's on my to-do list. ...from a nasty villain... Eat me! With the help of his trusty companion. This is gonna be fun. We can see up late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. Once upon a time, in a faraway swamp called Dan's Ass, there lived an <laughs> ogre named COVID Poop. AKA uh, uh, <laughs> Shrek, voiced by Mike Myers, whose precious solitude is suddenly shattered by an invasion of annoying fairy tale characters, not to mention the presence of a motormouth donkey voiced by Eddie Murphy, which made Dan faint a little. But felt great. But felt great. Felt great. You get dizzy. You're like, oh my God, Eddie Murphy. And then you're like, but he's delightful. There's a feeling of euphoria. There's a feeling of euphoria when he does his thing. So anyhow, these characters, this is literally how we're introducing Shrek. They were all banished from their kingdom by the evil Lord Fuckwad. Fuckwad, but, you know, say it three times fast. Uh, Voiced by John Lithgow. Determined to save their home, not to mention his, Shrek cuts a deal with Fuckwad and sets out to rescue Fiona. Voiced by Cameron Diaz. A beautiful princess with a terrible secret. Secret? You and McGregor has a secret. You and McGregor has a secret. He's Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> All right, let's start again. Shrek. No, and no, we're too deep in, which is what Dan said halfway through this most recent bowel movement. Mike Myers took over the role of Shrek after original voice actor Chris Farley tragically died in 1997. Upon seeing the completed film, Myers made an unusual request. He wanted to re-record all of his dialogue with a Scottish accent, a choice that, according to Shrek producer Steven Spielberg, saved the film. Shrek took in $42.3 million over its opening weekend en route to domestic earnings of $268.2 million and a worldwide box office of $488.2 four million dollars shrek also won the very first academy award for best animated feature although Mm. since it beat out monsters inc for the prize i would call the academy's taste in this regard suspect as much as i like shrek and i do like shrek but monsters inc come on uh fred and dan what did you guys think of le shrek 
I love this movie. Yeah. And as much as I love Monsters, Inc., and I was just having a conversation with Izzy on our way to the concert oh. the other night, we were saying, we were, I don't know how it came up, but we're talking about animated. Oh, I was, talking about, I was actually talking about Shrek. <laughs> I was saying how I rewatched Shrek and how much I loved yeah. it, not to give away the goat. No, I uh, love it and we were just... We were saying, oh, let's talk about our favorite animated movies. And Monsters, Inc. was uh, on, you know, both of our lists. I I don't know. I might, as much as I love Monsters, Inc., I might put this one on top of that. And and I see why it, I I think I understand. I I do, too. I do, too. But this is doing mm -hmm. something very, very different than we had seen. And, you know, we, we. We talked about this, and and I don't want again. I don't want to give this away because I feel the same. I feel very similarly to uh, to Moulin Rouge in this regard. And we talked about this with another movie, and I don't remember what it was. But there's certain movies that become so part of the zeitgeist. Like I was just I was having a conversation with some neighbors the other day about Forrest Gump, mm. and they just watched it. Their kids hadn't mm. seen it, and that's another movie where. It becomes so part of, you know, the culture and the zeitgeist and everyone's talking about it that you start to push yeah. it. You're like, OK, I'm done. Like, again. But then when you go, but Forrest Gump is a great fucking movie. It really holds up. I think up. we talked about it with Ghost way back when. I think that it was and, and, and multiple things because we revisit some of these big, big movies that you're like, yeah, I haven't seen it in 20 years because, yeah, whatever. It's a cliche. Yeah. Right. But yeah, they're yeah, so yeah. good. Right. You might be right. Maybe it was Ghost. It's probably a bunch so, of things, but. Mm. I, so that was Shrek and Moulin Rouge were definitely in that, you know, because they, they just become so pervasive and I hadn't seen this movie in a while. We saw this, we didn't see it opening night. We saw it the, the following weekend. I know that because of Kate's calendars, which I've spoken about. I looked it up and we saw the, 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 the following Saturday in the theaters. And even at the time, I remember feeling that a little bit towards Mike Myers thinking, yeah. okay, right. like I, I remember you and I, we saw Austin Powers in the movie theater, the opening weekend, Jason. Oh, we that loved was incredible. It. That's one top, top yeah, 10 we opening weekends away. of all time. Like seeing that. I mean, yeah. it was such a surprise. Yeah. And, but by this point, I remember for whatever reason, cause that is my want. I tend to do that where I'm like, ah, okay, I'm done with you now. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's move on. And I, for some reason I remember thinking, oh, I get it with the ski likes, the Scottish accent. <laughs> I, know. I get it. I, I have no idea why I have felt that well, you way. You have Axe Murderer, yeah. you have that movie, yeah. you have Fat Bastard and you have, or were both of those before You're this? right. Fat Bastard was before this. It was two years before. I, cause I was thinking so the same thing. I was like, third. I was like, why did it feel like he was going to the well so much with the Scottish thing, he had only done the axe murderer character, but no, he had done, he had just done Fat Bastard in 1999. Where's your shit at? I've got a turtle head poking out. Charming. I'm not kidding. I got a crap on deck that could choke a donkey. Oh, it's squidgy. Oh, Christ, I'm getting all emotional from it, you know? Right, and I, I have nothing against the Scottish <laughs> accent. I love a Scottish it just feels accent. Like I love it's a the good same book. choice multiple, and you start yes. saying like you're making a choice that's outside yourself, but you're making the same choice every time. Yeah, it seemed yeah. weird, but it really works. It, yes. So, mm-hmm. I, but for whatever reason. And I remember the animation seemed a little strange. It just looked different than what we were seeing with like the Pixar stuff. That being said. We went to the theaters. We loved it. Yeah. I mean, I just could from top to bottom. And then, you know, all the sequels came out. I didn't really see them. Then we had the kids and we introduced the movies to the kids. And again, rewatching it again. 
loved it again. The kids loved them, you know? Uh, and then I hadn't seen it in yeah. a while. So for this rewatch, I was just curious. I'm like, is it going to hold up? And again, from start to finish, it totally did. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's got so much, there's so much heart, yeah. you know, to this movie mm-hmm. and the characters are so well, literally drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it brought me back to thinking like, why was this movie so big and why was it so important in, in terms of animated films and why did it do so well and why did it win the Oscar? And I, I could be wrong here because I think it was doing something that we hadn't seen before. You know, I, the, my really poor segue had to do with all the music. Mm-hmm. I can't think of, of an animated movie before this that used pop no. music so right. well and like stuff, you know, pulling out of the well, you know, some stuff that you, you know, there was an eel song in there, bad reputation, Joan Jen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they use some popular songs, but That's I mean, great. the soundtracks the ending, are great to all of sound- these Shrek movies. They're really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was never, again, I could be wrong. I don't remember a movie that used music like that. And there was something just so smart and cheeky about the, the whole twist on the fairy tales and the Disney, That's you know, it's such like thing. a little, it's a little funny. dig on oh, the Disney huge stuff. Dig, yeah. Little. Yeah. It's huge. Movie, it's, it's, a middle, it's a, this movie's a middle finger to Disney. In a way, unquestionably, it is unquestionably. Yeah, the I, but I don't think in a but I don't think in a bad way. Not in, not in a not in a hostile way, but it's saying let's take all every Disney trope that you're used to yeah. about fairy yeah. tale from the get go from the from yeah. the opening. Oh, moments, from the very opening, it's yeah. like we're gonna we're gonna you know take what you what you think a, a Disney fairy tale movie is gonna be, be being having been used to Snow White and Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and all of these you know and Pinocchio even and all these things and we are going to in essence, turn that, uh, turn that, uh, you know, we're going to go through the looking glass on all of that, yeah. on all of it and completely mm-hmm. change it. There are some very adult jokes. Very. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, every joke about him is, is about Farquaad is, is about short and small, but and it's for us. You know what I mean? It's yeah. What is he compensating right. for? What's he compensating for? Even, you know what I noticed for the first time? I don't know why. Even his logo, the long <laughs> F. Yes. yes. I was like, oh, yes. that's amazing. Yes. I never really it's dawned so on me. It's got a very Looney right. Tunes sensibility compared to, you know, it's like going for that, like the, the irreverent anti-Disney vibe. And it's very yes. And it's fantastic. Bachelorette number one is a mentally abused shut-in from a kingdom far, far away. She likes sushi and hot tubbing anytime. Her hobbies include cooking and cleaning for her two evil sisters. Please welcome Cinderella. Bachelorette number two is a cape-wearing girl from the land of fancy. Although she lives with seven other men, she's not easy. Just kiss her dead, frozen lips and find out what a live wire she is. Come on, give it up for Snow White. And last, but certainly not least, Bachelorette number three is a fiery redhead from a dragon-guarded castle surrounded by hot, boiling lava. But don't let that cool you off. She's a loaded pistol who likes pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. Yours for the rescuing, Princess Fiona. It's so smart and it is, yeah. has so much heart. Like it is genuinely moving and beautiful. I felt, I felt for every one of these characters, which is what the great, the Absolutely. great Disney and Pixar's do. And, th- and this was the, yes. this was the movie that showed it's not just Disney's game, Disney Pixar's game. It's, other studios can do this. This is the first one I think that said like, because it always seemed like if you saw animation, I mean, the Iron Giant is the other exception, right? Animation mm-hmm. that was sure. released in theaters that wasn't Disney or Pixar, you were like, eh, it's not going to be that good. 
And it certainly won't have the warm beating heart at the center. But Shrek and Iron Giant really changed the ball game and said, if you do it well, it doesn't matter what fucking studio produces it. You can it can be it can be everybody's game. And if you don't if you're not constrained by the Disney shackles, which have gotten more liberal and looser over the years, that Pixar sure. does really fun, irreverent things, you know, like it's not like old school Disney anymore. But Shrek really went out there. I mean, there are there are shocking moments in this when she yes. when she <laughs> When she sings with the birds and they explode and she steals <laughs> the life. eggs and cooks yes. the eggs. The cooks princess them. like steals right. and ro- kills a bird and robs the eggs. It, it's in amazing. In movies, so wildlife always helps the, pr- <laughs> the prince and the princess. Yes. They yes. did here and, too. And, and, they, <laughs> and they did here too in a totally different way. They kill a lot they of wildlife in this thing. Turn yes. them into balloons. They use, they, yeah. yeah, they use a frog. They take a frog and a snake, turn them into <laughs> balloons, and then just release them. Just let them go. Oh, when are they gonna yeah. when are they gonna deflate and kind of fall back down to earth? They don't. They don't. They're yeah. dead. Yeah. It's that hilarious. It's that wicked. That's the strength. The word. Yes. It's got a wicked sense of humor. And man, the performances, I mean, I, I'm like, this might be Eddie Murphy's greatest performance. <laughs> He's so he is great. He is good. really great. He's and they're they're so all charming. wonderful. Their relationship, I'm thinking, again, this is a movie that I sort of I forgot about. I don't think of when I think of like the great animated movies, I would never think of this. Now I put this on the top of the of the list of, of mm-hmm. this is this would be, you know, way, way top. If we ever did a top 10 animated movie, I think we will. I, this would be very, mm. very close. This might be like in my top three. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's, it, up it's up there because their relationships, I'm like, I'm thinking Shrek and Donkey. That's one of the, this is one of the greatest on-screen duos ever. Yeah. They're, I mean, and there's such an arc to it. Yeah, it does. And my favorite moment in the movie is between the two of them and, the, and they're sitting, I think they're, they're just sitting down and it's the shot of their, the two of them from behind, yeah. you know, and, and he's, yeah. and donkey says, uh, says something like, uh, you know, Shrek, I know, I never thought you were a big, stupid, ugly ogre. And, and Shrek just goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's Beautiful. a gorgeous moment. That's and it's strange. just like, and it's so simple and it's so just like, oh, he knew that he knew all the whole time. Yeah. You know, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's special. Well, it's no wonder you don't have any friends. Wow. Only a true friend would be that cruelly honest. Listen, little donkey. Take a look at me. What am I? Uh... Really tall? No! I'm an ogre. You know, grab your torch and pitchforks. Doesn't that bother you? Nope. Really? Really, really. Oh. Man, I like you. What's your name? Uh, Shrek. Shrek? Well, you know what I like about you, Shrek? You got that kind of, I don't care what nobody thinks of me thing. I like that. I respect that, Shrek. You all right. I have a crazy story about this movie. It's sort of, it's, so when I remember seeing it with Kate and our favorite moment was the gingerbread man. I was sequence. just going to bring that, that up. That could have gone on it, for five minutes. I wanted so much more of that. It was brilliant. so good. His legs are gone. And, oh. 
happens. He caught the it's gingerbread like, man. The whole thing is you can't catch me. He caught him. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah. And he's dunking him in the milk. He screams. That's what he's me. doing. He's waterboarding he's wa- him he's in milk. He's waterboarding him pretty in much. Milk yes. <laughs> I mean, so, okay. So, so cut to so wrong. probably a year later or maybe less than a year later. I'm in Lisa Jackson, Girl Friday. We're, we're touring and we're in LA. We're in this club in Silver Lake. <laughs> and afterwards, it was this cool little rock club. And Jeff Gurner and I, the bass player, we're, we're in the back and there's a pool table and we're playing pool and having beers. And out of nowhere, we end up in this conversation with this guy, this cool looking, I remember bald dude had a big, cool, like gold necklace. That's all I remember, but really nice guy. I don't know how we got into the conversation with him, but we're having beers and talking with him, playing pool and just, and turns out, and he was like really into the band. We're like, well, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a writer and I do animation. Uh, he goes, I'm actually, the, have you seen Shrek? I was like, yeah, I'm the gingerbread man. Come and on. I was like, wait, what? Come on. What you, are you met the gingerbread about? man? He goes, he goes, yeah, I was a gingerbread man. I'm like, yeah, that, that's the best part of the movie. He's like, oh, thanks. Yeah, that, I did the voice Whoa. and that was sort of my idea. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to be directing Shrek 2. No. And Jeff and I are going, is this guy full of, like, I had never been to LA before. I'd been for a little bit for a show, but I was like, is this just what they do? Like, everyone just schmoozes? Right, and, just bullshit. But no, it was this guy, and I look, I can't remember, uh, Conrad Vernon. Uh, was his name. And wow. yeah, he directed all the subsequent Shrek movies. Wow. Yeah. Are you kidding? No, that's crazy. I, I, what I was going to say is Shrek 2, to me, is the gold standard. It is the oh. funniest. Yeah, that's Conrad Byrne. Wow. Yeah, we were it hanging is, out with him. He directed it. <laughs> it's brilliant. I mean, this is brilliant. Wow. That one is even funnier, which is why it was so fun rewatching this, because if I'm if I'm in the mood to watch a Shrek movie, I go to Shrek too because it's huh. so so good. But I so I probably haven't seen this one in far longer. Like Shrek two, I probably saw a couple of years ago. This one I haven't seen in a very long time. And over time, you start thinking, well, they upped the ante on the irreverence in the second one, mm. and and so this one's going to be sweeter and simpler, and maybe not doesn't not have that bite yeah. but, and that tang, but it absolutely does. Wow. It's like, oh no, it was there from the start. Run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. You're a monster. I'm not the monster here. You are. You and the rest of that fairy tale trash poisoning my perfect world. Now tell me, where are the others? Eat me. Tell me or I'll... No, not the buttons. Not my gumdrop buttons. All right, then. Who's hiding them? Okay, I'll tell you. Do you know... The Muffin Man. The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man. Yes, I know the Muffin Man. Who lives on Drury Lane? The other thing I remember, too, is when Donkey starts to sing I'm a Believer. Yeah. We mm-hmm. jump... Uh, it, it, it was like joyous. The theater just erupted. Now yeah. it seems, you know, and re- I mean, it still holds up, yeah. but, but, you know, maybe now that's something that would happen in more movies where, you know, oh, let's give the character a, a cool pop song to sing or like, a, you know, a retro, let's, let's retcon right. a song, you know, that we haven't heard in a while. Like all the movies, all the animated movies do that. Come on, y'all. And I saw her face. Again, to my mind, this is the first time. And RV did that at yeah. the end of RV. Remember that? That's right. Yeah. An animated movie. They had to give Kristen Jenner with something to sing. I don't even remember uh, what it yeah. was. Yeah, I think Shrek might have started the ball. In Shrek 2, they do Living La Vida Loca at the very end, which is fun. <laughs> but, they, but the great use of a song in Shrek 2 is the, the whole climax is set to... 
hit it. <laughs> We're talking so much about Conrad Vernon, but the director of the original Shrek is uh, it's two people, Andrew Adamson and Vicky Jensen. Mm -hmm. But uh, Shrek 2 is actually directed by three people, including Conrad Vernon. It's Uh, Andrew Adamson returning with a woman named Kelly Asbury and Conrad Vernon. So three directors on Shrek 2. But um, yeah, and I'm trying to think what else Andrew Adamson did because he's known best, I guess, as the director of Shrek and Shrek 2. And he did visual effects on the Joel Schumacher Batman movies. And he was a the screenwriter or one of the screenwriters for Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe, Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. But wow. he's a New Zealand based director. And I found the God, uh, so good. The so animation funny. style. Yeah. I mean, and I mentioned this at the beginning when we first saw it. I was, you know, I was like, well, this is a, a, a strange anime. I've never seen this animation style before. I agree. It's a little choppy, right? It's a little rough. And, and, and oh, no, kind of like, like it. But it, it, no, I don't, I'm not saying I dislike it, but it's very, again, it's non-Disney because Disney yeah. animation is so smooth. And this is- It also is, ages is con- a little bit is, too, you know, it's 20 years. I mean, 21 years. No, I'm years. not criticizing. I'm saying yeah. it's a choice. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's a choice to have them move in this sort of choppy, jarring, more jarring way. But I wonder, mm, you know, but that being like said, it. but then you look at the scenes of like donkey's fur and the grass and there, that was another thing that struck me when we saw it in the theater. The grass is amazing. It was- Oh yeah. It's so real, like the texture of yeah, it all. It's so lush. I it is incredible. Yeah. But they reminded me watching it now. I'm going, oh God, all they all look like marionettes. Like everyone sort of looks like, you know, uh, Princess Elaine. You know, there's that, there's, <laughs> yes. there's that feel, which I sort of like. I mean, I wonder if that was intentional, you know, because it's the so, secondary mm. characters do. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Because Cameron Diaz has, looks like. Cameron Diaz, basically, I mean, she's the kind of has um, has the best definition in terms of human characters. But, yeah, then the rest of them all have a kind of uh, a a puppety sheen. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. You're right. Which I wonder if that, you know, to go with like the the old school fairy tale feel to it. I don't know. Uh, They all kind of look like they're carved out of wood. Yeah. yeah. They all kind of look like they're. Yeah, you're right. And I read somewhere that I guess when they were making it you know, there wasn't a lot of support behind it, I guess, or that the animators, they, it wasn't an exciting project for them to be working on. And I read the quote was, uh, during production animators who failed while working on other projects, such as the Prince of Egypt were often sent to work on Shrek. The reassignment was known as being Shrek and being sent to the Gulag. I I remember, I read that. Yeah. Wow. If we were the least bit confused, about whether this is skewering Disney or not. They literally, these are the, I think my favorite, you know, sort of ha ha, they're making fun of Disney moment is the welcome to Duloc. Oh my God, brilliant. Where it's brilliant. Clearly, it's a small world. It's a small world. And this is the lyrics. Welcome to Duloc, such a perfect town. Here we have some rules. Let us lay them down. Don't make waves, stay in line, and we'll get along fine. Duloc is a perfect place. Keep your feet off the grass, shine your shoes, wipe your face. Duloc is, Duloc is a perfect place. That's, and it's, and it's sort of ish sounds like small world and it's the little, you know, dolls singing it. And it's like, that's, 
yes, this is a this is a a, a, a kind and gentle middle finger to everything. Even that F, even the F of of Farquad, you know, you yeah. mentioned that before of the sign resembles the Disney the, font. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're you know, right. It resembles the Disney font. It, it is. I mean, I just love that they're not. You know, uh, uh, and that makes sense with what you just said about like, okay, if you weren't working on a Pixar something or a Disney something, you were a third stringer, you were a third tier. And and these directors and these artists are going, well, let's do something with that. Yeah, let's do something with with the fact that we aren't working for the big, you know, the quote big shot. And then they beat out Monsters Inc., you know, and it's it's I think the world was ready for for something else. And this and this was it. My uh, I remember my nephews loving this soundtrack. My nephew, uh, uh, my nephews were were constantly playing the I'm a believer and hallelujah Mm -hmm. and everything from this from this soundtrack. I don't think I saw it when it came out, but it was. Um, constantly playing at my sister's house. Mm. I'm like, oh, they're playing the Shrek soundtrack again. <laughs> and, and, and another thing, the princess in this is an ass kicking princess. And yes. we hadn't had we already had Mulan already and other ass kicking yeah. Disney princess. We had already. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you had Mulan definitely. Um, okay. Yeah, but so uh, she was she no, wasn't you're... setting that standard uh, quite in this. No, but, but this she's is different in a way. Sleeping Beauty, right? And then she is like right. that. Like her her inherent nature doesn't feel like a, a Mulan up front. It feels like more of the stock. Disney princesses, right? And then she becomes like a a badass. And in one of the sequels, and I can't remember if it's two or three, I think Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, and somebody else, like they, there's uh, all the other kind of famous princesses like Uh Snow White, Rapunzel, uh, Cinderella. They like like, form a Charlie's Angels kind of team. Like they're all ass kickers. So all the quote unquote Disney princesses are ass kickers in in one of the sequels. I don't remember which one. Yeah. There's a very yeah. slight and tenuous connection to Steve Perry with this movie. Oh, please tell us all. <laughs> Jason, please. just like a big sigh. Jason, Jason. Mulan Rouge. Oh. No, I'm sorry. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. No, we had to shield us first. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh. Go ahead. It's, it's, it's very Steve sli- Perry. It's a slight one because there's a, there's a band. Uh, <laughs> they do a song called My Beloved Monster. It's the band The Eels. And uh, the, the yes. lead singer of that band befriend, became very good friends with Steve Perry when he was not doing any recording. And... Uh, when Steve Perry did come back into the limelight, started singing again after not singing for decades, the first person he sang with was this lead singer of the Eels. Uh, he sang their song oh, "It's nice. a Motherfucker," and uh, he so he was, so the Eels is what brought Steve Perry back into all of our lives. So by that, the, Shrek is, is Steve Perry is Shrek. <laughs> yes. Steve Perry is, <laughs> is Shrek. <laughs> the hideous ogre who finds love. The guy who uh, the guy who was the voice of Pinocchio was friends with the hairdresser of the mother of, of Neil Neil Piart 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 Piart. It's Piart. pronounced Cavazel. Cavazel. If you said Neil Schoen, that would have been good because it would have brought the whole journey thing back and. And there are two people who are enjoying this conversation right now, listening and knowing us. <laughs> there are two people having this conversation who are enjoying it. <laughs> and there's a third who's waiting to Sheila this up. How many Sheilas for Shrek? I think 9.5. Holy macaroni. I'm a nine. I'm going nine. Because to me, Shrek 2 is like a little 
If I could, rem- I don't remember Shrek two as well. It's no, been so yeah, long. No, I, I just love that one. But yeah, no, nine, nine. I didn't think I it was going to be so go. high. I thought it was going to be like, oh, like Shrek's good. I didn't think it was. Yeah, I wasn't expecting hit it. Me I'll, I'll go 8.5, 8.5 on it. I don't know. Do you really want to go 8.5? Or are you feeling influenced? Sometimes what? you jump no, up and no. then one of us goes to the bathroom and you're like, I can't believe I felt pre- I felt pressured to give. Higher Dan, if you want to give it a lower, if you want to give it a lower Sheila rating, you can, can, can. Yes, you can, can, can. You can, can, can. You're so you good at these segues. After 76 episodes, he's saying, you know what? You're really good at these segues. <laughs> I, it still surprises me. just now noticing. You know what? No, it's not that. It's that because it's you're like, so mad at everything else. No, yes. you're so good. It's because oh. you're... No, it's it's that I'm not even thinking along those lines because segueing is your job. So I'm it's I'm always job. taken by surprise. It is. Come on, face it. We never do <laughs> segues. Paid for. No. Someone said our our, our lovely listeners, uh, Rick Suval and Andy Wells, on the social yes. media were like, "When are you guys going to monetize this? You guys should you need to get money for it. Wouldn't it be nice no. if it was was." That was my job. I got paid to segue. It's not going to happen. No fucking kidding. They said they were very complimentary. They said it was like, one of them said it was like their favorite movie podcast. That's so and nice. These people, and they know what they're talking about. Believe. They know what they're talking about. So go on the, uh, go on the, iTunes. check us out right. if you haven't. Oh, wait, you are checking us out. You're listening to us, but you know, right you know, go and, uh, go and, uh, uh, you know, maybe go over to the iTunes and give us some stars. Give us uh, five stars. And we haven't monetized this yet, but you can certainly send money. <laughs> If you'd like. Oh, wow. Yeah, if you want to hear if illegal. you want to hear great segues like the can 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 or the believer mm. or yeah, we can go mm. back. There's so many good if you want to hear more, send a little scratch this way. You know <laughs> the story is about love at the Moulin Rouge. Paris, 1899. A young English poet and playwright named Christian, played by Ewan McGregor, becomes infatuated with Satine, played by Nicole Kidman, a courtesan at the Moulin Rouge. However, she has been promised by the theater's manager, a beyond brilliant Jim Broadbent, to a duke, played by Richard Roxburgh, in return for the funding of his next production. Once Satine has fallen in love with Christian, however, the young lovers meet incessantly in secret under the guise of rehearsing. But as Satine's wedding day draws closer, she hides a fatal secret from both Christian and the Duke. Also starring John Leguizamo as Toulouse-Lautrec, Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge is a visual and oral feast that went on to secure eight Academy Award nominations, including one for Best Picture of the Year. In its limited release, the film opened with just $167.5,000, but went on to become a major, if unlikely, hit, earning $57.4 million domestically and $184.9 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think? Of Moulin Rouge. I'll tell you what I thought of the first third of it, which was, I can't stand this. Shut this off. Get this off of my television. I hate everything. I hate everyone. I hate life. I want to smash my brand new $40 from Goodwill that my wife got Vizio TV. We finally got a good TV. Um, Congratulations. I, I, I was like, what What level of, I don't mean to demean people with ADHD, but what level of ADHD <laughs> does Boz Lorman have that he can't stay on any shot for, for more than 0.2 seconds? There's too much going on. 
I, I've complained about this a lot on the podcast. When there's too much going on, I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking at. I don't know what the story is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be getting from, from it. Um, you know, and it's just excessive, excessive, excessive. And, you know, why have John Leguizamo do four double takes when you can have him do 37? Why have <laughs> Nicole Kidman writhe and go uh, six times when you can have her do it 96 times? Why cut this into, why have a mashup of four songs when you can have 33,000 songs? <laughs> I, 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 it's just too much, Boz Lorman. Too much, too much, too much. And and I, I hated Leguizamo and the four idiots who fell through the ceiling. <laughs> I was like, if this is this whole movie, this is a zero Sheila movie. I can't God. take it. I can't take it. I can't stand this. I was, it was loathsome. And then finally, finally, the goddamn thing slows down. <laughs> And he keeps one take, you know, he, he keeps a shot going for more than a couple of seconds. And you get to see a thing called acting. You get yeah. to see actors acting. And Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman are wonderful in it. And that's what ultimately won me over. Broadbent, Damn. I think, is, is, is he, he, you can't blame Broadbent. You can't blame any of them. You can't blame really oh. Leguizamo oh, because I they're doing it. what Boz Lorman's asking them to do, which is he's standing behind them with a hot poker and going, do more, more. But I'm in extreme, 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 extreme close up here, Boz. Do more. Play it like you're at Radio City. And it's just more, more, and more. So you can't you can't <laughs> say they're not committed, but thank God for McGregor and Kidman doing doing something more in the realm of reality because you need that so wow. so so desperately in this thing. And I get it to style. I understand <laughs> your red curtain stupidity style, Bob. I get that you're a style guy. But when you peak, your peak was strictly ballroom. I got news for you. That was your artistic peak, you dumb fuck. I do love that movie. You didn't get better than that. I guess we're not having Boz Lerman on as a guest anytime soon. (laughs) Um, I will say that's where I was at with this. And I'll tell you what I loved. I loved Mm -hmm. Like a Virgin and I loved, loved Roxanne. Those are my two. Those are the two highlights. Those are because Those are showstoppers. I get to see, you know why they're showstoppers? Because I get to see the choreo because he moves the camera back Mm -hmm. and he just takes a wide shot for more than half of a half of a half a second. (laughs) And I get to see some goddamn choreography and I can tell what's happening. When I can tell what's happening, I'm enjoying the film. When I can't tell what's happening, because he's going blah and throwing shit at me. Look, most of the film looked like what I just cleaned out of my toilet. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, an explosion. An explosion. It, it, it is. It is an exercise in excess. Absolutely. And I will say, watching it again now, and I've seen it many times, and I saw it once in the, I, I've this seen it twice in the theater. First time. First time. Oh, you've never seen it, it before. Damn. Correct. I oh, wow. saw it t- twice in the theater and then got the video and I've seen it, you know, m- probably multiple times since, but probably haven't watched it in like, I probably haven't watched it in like 10, 15 years easily. You know, I just mm. haven't seen Moulin Rouge in a long time. And 
of course, the first time I saw it, it was emotionally fraught because it's a movie about the, you know, the, 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 the greatest love of all time and the greatest love story of all time. And I'm literally sitting next to a woman I'm breaking up with and we're oh both, God, right. we're both weeping, but not necessarily, oh. but weeping because of what's going on with us and not what's going on on the screen. And I remember very vividly, and this is of course, maybe sounds callous, but I, I do remember in being in that theater in Kilgore, Texas and what, and being like, I'm going to have to watch this again because I, I, I like I do. Yeah. I think it's really interesting what's happening. And I I think I might love this, but I can't. It's just painful right now. And I think I right. might love it. So I have to see it again when I'm not with her in the middle of breaking up with her. This is a bad choice. Milk was a bad choice, as the great Will Ferrell once said. So it was like the wrong movie to see at that time. But even in it, I was like. Oh gosh, I I'm gonna have to come again next week or whatever mm-hmm. or, or next month mm-hmm. and and watch it again. But and I also but watching it again now, I had the same feeling at the beginning, Dan, which is I was going back and being like, I know this movie, I know it well, I know what I love about it, and how much I love the things I love. Yeah. But the first, it is like it is such an assault. It's an assault. It's such a stylistic assault, a bombardment, and it oh. doesn't. And it's nonstop. And I rem- and it took me way back to two thousand one when I think I thought, God damn, if it's gonna be like this the whole time, it's I don't much. know if I can stay. And yep. then the movie, and you're right about Nicole Kidman too. She's brilliant in this, but that first scene where she's thrashing around, it's like it's too much, too, too much. much. But when he starts singing, and it's literally, and I think this is by design, because when he starts singing your song, mm-hmm. everything comes into focus. My gift is my song. And this one's for you. And you can tell everybody that this is your song. It may be quite simple, but now that it's done, hope you don't mind. I hope you don't mind that I put down in words how wonderful life is. Now you're in the there's the heart of it. And that's what you're on the journey for. And I'm there with it for the rest of the film, even when it goes back to craziness and, you know, uh, gets frenetic. Uh, But that's where it really starts for me. That's where the movie starts for me. And, and it, uh, they both, I think have beautiful voices. I thought Nicole Kidman and their, their acting is beautiful and their singing is beautiful. And I love Jim Broadbent. Like I said, I think he's brilliant in this. And I think that, I think he's doing an, a really impressive thing because, yes, it's all gigantic, gigantic, but he is like a master showman, an MC, the makeup caked on, mm-hmm. and the camera happens to be here. But just yes. because the camera happens to be here doesn't mean that he's not the music hall guy, you know, like, Correct. so, mm-hmm. I, and you see so much, so much granular stuff going on in him, mm-hmm. in his face. And yes, Like a Virgin is probably my single favorite <laughs> sequence. And it is like, if this was, and I don't know the Broadway show, I, it felt like intermission at the end of that. It was so huge and yeah. swell. And it had like this perfect ending. And then there was like that beat, 
like in old movie musicals where it's like the applause, you know, you can see like in white Christmas or something, you see like, ah, and then they're like <sighs> breathing hard for a couple of seconds in silence before the movie goes on. And you're like, this is designed for applause. She's made it through the wilderness somehow. She's made it through. She didn't know how lost she was until she found you. She was beat incomplete. She had been hard. She was sad and blue. But you made her feel. Yes, you made her feel shiny and new. For the very first time, like a virgin, your heart beat. Both in time, gonna give you all her Anyway, uh, Fred, you talk about it some, but I, I, I agree with you about the very beginning, and <sighs> I also love it. But yeah, I'm the Fredo. complete opposite. No, complete, oh, Fred. I love the you beginning. You like the beginning and you don't like the end? It, no, I like the ending. <laughs> I, I, I get it loses <laughs> me a little <gasps> bit. It dips wow. a little bit, but not in a bad way. But I think it is all by design. I, I think the big, I think the opening is, the, the, the one thing I will agree with you on, the Nicole Kidman thrashing around, I remember when I saw it in the theater, that was the one moment I thought, this is going on a little too long. That was the one thing. Everything else... I love the excess about it. And I feel like if well, you, I, I if, know that it's by design, that's not my issue. My issue is it's bad. I don't agree. <laughs> the design I, is bad. No, I don't agree <laughs> there at all. I think it's, it's assaultively bombarding my senses yes, for no and I, reason. And I think no that's reason. the, no, I think there's an absolute reason. I think that's the point. I think you need that because you, you and McGregor's character is being assaulted. Well, that. you don't, but I think the point of the movie is <laughs> That, yes, he's showing up to this world that is an assault. It's this fucking, like, crazy, like, Georges Millier fucking acid trip yeah. cornucopia just blah. And I think that is the point. So when you do get to the moment where suddenly it's just this beautiful voice comes out and suddenly he slows it down. And you're saying, oh, there's a new world. There, here's this crazy world. Now we're shifting. There's a new world. There's poetry we that's can coming get into that it. With seventy-five percent less crazy, you could, but I don't think it would be that, as fun. But you have a director who doesn't trust his audience. No, I don't agree with you there. I don't agree because I, this is so different. I mean, you could do, yeah, you could do all those things, Dan, and then it's like a, it's like a lot of other movies that have great art direction but are walking a different line you may i get why you don't like it and i wasn't digging it at, at first or, or or i was like i want to enjoy this why are you assaulting me <laughs> but yes but and yes and i and obviously we all know it's by design but i think that does make it unique and it's and it does go unique. places that are uh, you know I, I mean it's like it's like no other it's like no other movie i've ever seen and it and if it wasn't that the love story was so potent their relation. I mean, I was at the end. You're talking about angel eyes. At the end, I was weeping, and I was like, "Oh, it really does work." Because at first, I thought maybe because of my personal circumstances at the time, you know, mm -hmm. the emotion of it was hitting me differently. And then even when I saw it the second time, I was in a new relationship and was very, very happy. And I was like elated. I remember going to see it in the theater a second time months later, in a huge screen in Manhattan. And being like, this is one of the most happy, joyful, amazing nights of my life because I was, you know, in a good relationship that I felt good about. And I was 
watching, you know, I, I was like, I'm, I'm experiencing only the good parts of love right now and not the turmoil. And I thought, well, without heightened personal circumstances, is it going to get me the way it used to get mm. me? And it absolutely, absolutely did. Yeah, and true. I think it gets you. And I, I know you don't, you don't agree with this, Dan. I think the reason it's so potent is because of the madness and the madcap and the Looney Tunes zany craziness in the beginning. It sneaks up on you. You, you're not. I think if the movie start, if the movie started the way it finished, I don't think it would have been as exciting. And I don't know if it would have had the impact. And I think we would have got tired of it and been like, we get it. Everything's romantic. Everyone's this. I'm not saying you have to start with romance give me 75 percent less editing 75 percent less i loved that the editing less, was all uh, over the no uh, i i give me far less john leguizamo and the four idiots i think they're great i don't need uh i think, Fred. They're, all, they're, I think they're go they are doing something Fred. and what you no 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 Fred. no is he supposed to be don't the sanction actual, his buffoonery is he don't supposed to be it. actual toulouse lautrec first of all he's is supposed, he supposed to be, to be an actual, over all of these characters are oversized characters Characters. Yeah, is I mean, he's supposed to be yes. historical, actual Toulouse Lautrec. He's supposed yes. to be in this Baz Luhrmann in John Leguizamo's yeah. version. This this world's version of Toulouse Lautrec. Yeah, yeah. I have news for you. Toulouse Lautrec was a painter. I understand. Have him paint a thing. Dan, have this is fantastical. Quietly. Though. Have him sit quietly in a corner and paint. <laughs> I don't want John Leguizamo going blah. But this is a fantastical world. But this is everything is heightened. This movie, it's like Dracula. It's like Bram Stoker's Dracula when Coppola did it, where it's every taking different styles and just throwing it out there. And look, and yes, and first I get of all, it. First of all, Bram Stoker's <laughs> oh Dracula has John, John Holmes in it. Bram Stoker. That's Ham Stoker's. Ham Stoker's right. Cacula. Cacula. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, Here's a hot take. Leguizamo, best thing he's ever done, Super Mario Brothers. Fuck off Oh, for God's hell. sake. No. Third oh of all, I'm not saying don't show me the crazy and the cuckoo and the debauchery of the Moulin Rouge. I would love to have seen it. I would we love get to have it. actually- We get it. You're old and it's too many registers. <laughs> I'm very elderly. The same thing happened when I watched Encanto. You know, the same thing. I was like, I can't, Jesus I don't know what Christ. I'm supposed to look at. I don't know what I'm supposed to register. I know you're, I know because you're telling me Moulin Rouge was a crazy debaucherous place. Now editing for 40 minutes. I can't. I, to me, it's this movie. I mm -hmm. love the curtain thing. And I know that was his thing for, yeah. for, you know, Strictly Ballroom and, and Romeo and Juliet. Um, what curtain what, thing? Where the, the movie opens with the curtain, with the red curtain opening. The, the, they oh, call he it. You can't even get through the Tony Century Fox logo without having which a I love. I love that. I love, I love that. It's, it's brilliant like that? because it's saying right off the bat, it's saying this is a this is not real. Come yep. in. This movie is immersive, and unfortunately, you you're not you're not tall enough to to get on the ride, Dan. That's what it is. It takes Ooh, you on a ride. That's that's insensitive <laughs> since we're talking about Toulouse Lautrec. <laughs> no, no, no. I get it. I totally understand why this would be too much. What was interesting for me. <laughs> <laughs> regarding this with, 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 you know, going back to what I was saying with Shrek was this was a movie again where I thought I, I really loved it when it came out and I still love it now because I think it's so exciting and visually arresting. And I, I get what you're saying, Dan, and I understand why people would, would it be too much. 
I think it's great because bef- I can't remember before this movie, and, and I'm not necessarily comparing Baz Luhrmann to Scorsese or a Tarantino, but mm. I feel like a lot of people have since imitated his style. And what was interesting going back and rewatching it again is that to me, and I know not to you, but to me, it still holds up. And I get as ex- I still get as excited in the same way that so many people, since Pulp Fiction, so many people have imitated that style. You know, but when you go back and you watch a Pulp Fiction, even though there's a part of me that goes, well, it's probably not going to hold up and we've seen it so much. You still immediately go, oh no, this is fucking brilliant. This is the original. This is where, Mm -hmm. and same thing with the Scorsese, you know, there's certain directors that they, so many people have built on what they've done and sometimes taken it in better directions or done better with it. But when you go back to the original, it's still, ah, that's it. There it is. You know, Pulp Fiction will always be Pulp Fiction will always be one of the greatest movies of all time, will always be the movie that changed things forever. Just like Goodfellas, you know, I'm not saying that I, I I wouldn't put this up on that level, but going back saying this is the original, there weren't movies, there weren't people doing, I, I could be wrong, there were in different ways, but I don't remember seeing a movie like this. Before, and I've, I've seen, seen them it. since. But, but have you seen any since? It? What have you seen since? Because I'm like, this stands alone to me. I, 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 I'm yeah, like, maybe this you're happened. Right. This burst out of his mind. Uh, even the visuals, the special effects are amazing at the beginning. Like, I guess the, you, you know what? Deep dive into the photographs. I just oh, thought yeah. it was utterly unique. And I don't, I can't think of something well, since you, that. You, plays on this other than like a, a Cheetos commercial. Like, right. you know. No, you know what I'm thinking of more? Is oh the, my the, God. That's perfect. This, <laughs> the first 40 minutes of this, Leguizamo is Chester Cheetah. The first 40 minutes of this is a 40 minute long Cheetos commercial where things are exploding at you. Give and me more Cheetos. Blasted with flavor. Yeah. It's flavor it's like blasted. That. I could hear Go snap into a Slim Jim. Yeah. Everybody could say yes. snap into a Slim Jim at the beginning. They but should have gotten is, Macho Man Savage to play, to play John Leguizamo. I, I'm not saying that as an insult because I love it, but, uh, but what, have, can you think of something that yeah, is? No, here's, um, here's what I'm thinking similar? of in terms of style. It's the anachronistic a style of the movie, which I love that the, the idea that like this, it's so anachronistic yeah. in terms of all the music and everything they've built a world. So that's yes. when you're like, is he playing the real to lose Lautrec? No, but they also, but Elton John wasn't, you know, in, in 18th century France or whatever this takes, you know, in, in the 1890s. So right. the, the fact that it's, you know, Dan, hold on, give me a second here. If you're going to, if you're going to, if I'm going to drop Pablo Picasso in the middle of Blade Runner, he better paint something. That's all I'm saying. Oh my God. He did. Cause Blade Runner, is a masterpiece. Enough. You better, the yes. point, what I'm Wait, saying no. is, so <laughs> it's all anachronistic with all, like everything belongs in this yeah. world. And it's also like the idea of that, I guess Ewan McGregor's character is like, a, he's so ahead of his time coming up with all this music. But that, the thing, mm. that more than the visual style, that's what I feel like you started to see in movies and TV right. shows where suddenly the music and things from all different parts of pop culture converge. And I had yeah. never seen that. So yeah, yeah, with, with that sequence where they're coming up That's with all true. the love songs and you're like, you know, only why can't we use five? Why does it need to be 75 love songs? I thought that was fucking brilliant. And uh, I love too. how they're every song you could think of. I, to me, this was about like an, ex- yeah, it was like a Cheetos snapping. It was an explosion <laughs> of love. And I think that was the yeah. point that it was just blah, everything's up. Because when your char- heart is bursting with yes. every, it, it, like the feelings that you, it's like they're just too much. There's nothing as overwhelming as being 
deeply head over heels in love or being rocked to your core by love that goes wrong. A life without love, that's terrible. No, being on the street, that's terrible. No, love is like oxygen. What? Love is a many splendid thing. What? Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love. Please don't start that again. All what? you need is love. A girl has got to eat. All you need is love. She'll end up on the street. All you need uh is love. Love is just a game. I was made for loving you, baby. You were made for loving me. The only way of loving me, baby, is to pay a lovely fee. Just one night, just one night. There's no way, cause you can't pay. In the name of love, <laughs> one night in the name of love. This is a movie where you have to lean forward into it. You can't sit back and watch. You're ex that's what the curtain's opening. It's saying this isn't going to be this isn't going to be real. This is going to be fantastical. This is going to be presentational. And I, and as much as I thought that Nicole Kidman scene went on too long, again for me, I'm like bravo, Baz Luhrmann and all the actors because you're fucking going for it. You're taking you know we always say on this podcast you know you're you're you're, you're taking big swings. For me, they landed. All the swings landed. Swing. I agree with you. The like of I forgot about the like a virgin sequence. And it's, it's the best. It's the highlight well, in some ways of the movie. And, and you know why Richard, it is? Because it's is so unexpected. It's so in a movie like this, it should be that song should be sung by the courtesans. That 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 should be like a Lady Marmalade <laughs> yeah, yeah, song. Yeah, right. It should yeah. be sung by Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Well, that's the what's fact brilliant. that it's yeah. not yeah. is th that it's sung by Jim Broadbent. It's and terrific. the reasons so behind it, it's <laughs> such a brilliant twist. She said, fine, and she's mine. Makes me strong. Yes, she makes me bold, and her love thought of. Yes, her love thought of. What was scared and cows. Like a virgin! Oh, like a virgin! for the very first time. Roxburgh. He is a completely unique quantity to me in this movie. I had never seen him before and I've yeah. never seen him since. And I think he's amazing. And I think mm -hmm. he's amazing. He's obviously a theater guy, you know, he's I an mean, Australian, Australian theater, theater guy. guy. Yeah. Uh, what have you seen him in? I just think he's amazing. I think he's great because he goes, it's one thing for like a movie star who's like, well, I'll get him with my next one. If I go, right. it's, it's risky for a movie star to do it because you're like, oh, this could capsize my career if I'm too big yeah. or going to, if I take, take this big stylistic gig and, uh, and make these big choices. But I'm also building a body of work. I mean, Richard Roxburgh, it's like, okay, I'm here to do this style and do this. Sure, and maybe I'll never get a fucking movie again, because mm. if you think this is all I can do, you yeah, know what I mean? Because it's so heightened. But it's also so, again, like broadbent granular and subtle. Like he's he's operating on lots yeah. of different planes. And I think he's fantastic. They all are. He's They're fantastic. All... We're watching it going, wait, what have we seen him in? What have we seen him in? What have we seen That's him That's what I was in? thinking too. And, and I realized it as we were recording what? this because I was like, oh, he was in this movie called The Present. Or sorry, this play okay. called The Present, which was with Kate Blanchett a few years ago, which is based on 
Chekhov's Wild Honey, which we were all oh, three yeah. in oh, together yeah. at Hofstra. And so we have seen him. I can't wait to tell Taylor after this because we're going, why does this dude look so familiar? It's because we've sat, you know, we had really good seats for that. So we sat very close to him and Kate Blanchett doing this big oh. epic, you know, it's based on Chekhov's uh, uh-huh. Platonov. Um, but uh, the, I can't recall anything else seeing him, but I completely agree with you, Jay, every year's assessment of so his performance. Good. And he's I feel like he's got a face that you're like, oh, he looks like multiple different people somehow. You yeah. know, I, I mean, I, I was he like, absolutely. He has a little does. bit of the, uh, how do you say his name? The Rene, uh, a bourgeois, a bourgeois, a little bit yeah. of that, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But he does. God, look like him. I just thought he was terrific. And I was like, so happy for mm-hmm. him too, because I was like, this is a big, this is like your, the fourth lead of the movie. And I feel for the guy too. I feel deeply for him. He yeah. is like being made a fool of the whole fucking movie. And I get it. Like he can be so sniveling and over the top and, and, and snidely whiplash. And then at the same time, I totally feel for you. He's a great actor. And I think, I mean, I think that's a, you know, a a big tip of the hat to all the actors. And I think to Baz Luhrmann is that they are so oversized, but yet in this world, they're all, I find them all very grounded. How many Sheila's? Is that, can I, did you have another point first? I'm sorry, Dan, go ahead. No, no. I was, uh, well, I have two points. One, Richard Roxburgh, played Dracula in the movie Van Helsing, which I've never seen. Oh, I did see that. Oh, how funny. Okay. That's his other, I guess, okay, that's his other movie. But he's got a lot of creds on IMDb. I just don't know very many of them. Yeah. Number two, is there a way I can go into negative Sheila's for John Leguizamo and the four idiots? Just for them. You can. That okay. It will be incorporated into your overall Sheila account. You can say, I'm at this Sheila rating because they have dropped it down. That's the rule? Oh, well, I'm, there's no rule. Go ahead. Okay, give him, give you, hand, hand out negative Sheila's willy nilly. I don't give a shit. What do I care? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but they were terrible. I will <laughs> go. I You go first, Fred. Nine. Oh, Fred. Nine for the sheer inventiveness for what they do musically. It's I, I, I almost I want to go higher just to piss you off. I want to give it a 10. But I'm no. going 10. Yeah, I'm, <gasps> I'm absolutely going 10. I think it's Jason. I think it's I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. I think, yes, I do have those at the beginning. I'm like, just because you're like, I don't know what I I don't know if I, what I think about this at the beginning of something, if it pays off, then you're like, oh, okay, well, that's what it was all for. So I'm not docking it for, for that, you know, that initial stretch where I was like, oh boy, is it going to, is it going to shift gears here? Because then it does. And that means that it's all like you guys said, it like it's by design and I do love the rest of it. And I think it is, even if there are moments where I was like, okay, all right. I mean, it's so unique and it's so it's part of the intent. And I don't know that the payoffs would pay off the way they do if it weren't set up the way it was. Um, So no, I, I, yeah, I love it. It's, it is one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite movies. It was my favorite that and Royal Tenenbaums were my favorite movies of 2001. Gremlins two is a towering achievement compared to this movie. Wow. And and I will no longer bother you about Gremlins (laughs) two. You cannot give this a 10. I'm giving you it a 10. To, Why? I'm going to go. I know Damon gets totality. very upset because Damon keeps, you know, he oh, keeps no. a flow chart of all of our scores and yeah. he, gets, he gets angry at right. me because when I tend to change them. them. You shift. Yeah, them. I shift. Them. I'm, but sorry, Damon, I'm giving you whatever you're doing. Stop what you're doing. Oh, God. I'm jumping up to a 9.5. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Because I mean, he you're takes saying big it, swings, it, and if, if nothing else, I would give him a high mark for for taking the chances. But I agree with Jason. The chances pay off. That, that moment where Ewan McGregor, find, where Nicole Kidman dies, and he breaks down— is one of the most heartbreaking displays of emotion from an actor. And it's and it's earned. And it's earned because of everything that comes before it. And if you don't have the madcap craziness before, you don't get that. So yeah. That nine point five. Shrek eating by himself alone. Jim Caviezel at the at the at the graveyard. Great moments all week. <laughs> uh, I'm going I will go seven point five. Okay, See, okay. that seems okay. very wow. high for what you've been saying. What I'm saying is this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm very glad Baz Luhrmann is no more longer making movies. He is. The, the biggest ve- movie of the summer is uh, uh, Elvis, his Elvis biopic that's coming out. Yeah. That one looks a little no. suspect to me. I think it's it interesting. Pure shit, but it is, uh, who knows, but it is like the kind of the big non-sequel, non-comic book movie of the summer yeah. is his Elvis movie. If Jim Broadbent is playing Elvis, I'm in. You've got my money. You've got my money. Yeah, Who's I don't know Elvis? if it looks good. I don't know. Some, it's a, I think it's a young guy. Movie. Doesn't really Who look like Elvis. Elvis. Tom um, Hanks is playing Tom Hanks Colonel, is Colonel Parker. Uh, yeah. what, is that his name? Colonel, Colonel Parker? Parker, yeah. Yeah. First of all, you get every Australian actor in the world in this thing. You can't dig up Paul Hogan? Give him a part <laughs> in it. Get him in there. Get Crocodile Dundee in there. Yeah, spectacular, spectacular. Hey, here's a little trivia. Do you know, so Kylie Minogue was the voice of the Green Fairy, who was amazing. Oh, no, she was the Green Fairy. She played the Green Fairy, But do you know who who shared the role with her? Who? Ozzy Osbourne. Because there's a scream at the end when the Green Fairy turns sort of evil. Oh, yeah. There's a scream. and (laughs) That's Ozzy? It's Ozzy Osbourne, yeah. That's amazing. Oh, Damon, I have to clarify something, too, that I wanted to say. (laughs) This is totally off topic, but since you said clarifying your Sheila's. When I was editing Claire last week, I couldn't. That's what Paul Hogan used to do in his spare time in the trailer. There we go. Clarifying. Just adjust your genitals. Get a pipe cleaner in there. Here, I rod. What? No, I was an eight. Ultimately, on Return of the Jedi last week, Damon, an eight, like Fred. And uh, I think it got, it was spoken over. Well, I had started at 8.5 and (laughs) then Fred was at an eight and then he went up to an 8.5 and then he adjusted back to eight. And I, I saying I'm with you there, but it was like overlapped and just for the index. Return of the Jedi is an eight. For first time listeners, Damon is a childhood friend of mine. We used to go to the VBC together, which is the Village uh, Bath Club. Also, we would go with our friends Suds and Joe Salvatore uh, and Josh Kleinberg. And Damon listens to the podcast a lot and likes to record our Sheila ratings. And Jason is asleep. (laughs) Thank God. He keeps his spreadsheet. And, if, and oh, again, God, if we have to explain it. who Damon is, Sheila is the name of a super fan <laughs> that Dan made up in the, not made up, uh, got a letter Wait, from in the first episode. Wait, so 7.5. So that's, I mean, again, are you being honest with yourself or are you feeling, <laughs> are you feeling like if you say four, we're going to be like <gasps> clutching our pearls? Well, listen. Okay. So wait, so if it's a 7.5, that means I it was go, actually a 10 because you said you had negative Sheila's for the four oh, idiots. So oh, you were giving right. this a 10 okay. and you brought it down. So that would, I mean, my math is a little is, shoddy, but you know, close enough. A third of the movie is garbage. That's 3.33. <laughs> that means I give it a 6.66, which is perfect because it's the number of the beast. <laughs> and Baz Luhrmann is the devil. 
well six played. Point six six. Well Perfect. played. That's my new, sorry, Damon. Six sixty six. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Opening Weekend, everyone. Uh, next time. Dan will be excited about this. We revisit. Oh my God. What is why? <laughs> we revisit what is widely considered to be one of the greatest movie summers of all time, 1982, and the 40th anniversary of two major genre classics, the science fiction sequel without equal, Star Trek II, The Wrath yeah, of Khan, baby. starring William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, and Ricardo Montalban. And this is the first time we're doing a Star Trek movie on this podcast, and Dan is a mega yeah, Star Trek yeah, fan. It's only yeah, fair. Yeah. We've had so many Star Wars, a couple of Supermans. It's time to give... Yeah. Time to give the baby his bottle and <laughs> do Star right. Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, and... Oh. Uh, the other big 40th anniversary uh, genre flick was uh, the one that combined the visions and sensibilities of Toby Hooper and Steven Spielberg in the suburban Ooh. horror fantasy flick Poltergeist. <gasps> Wonderful. Both came out on the same day. We also, Wonderful. unfortunately, maybe have to talk about Hanky Panky starring Gene Wilder <laughs> and Gilda no. Radner. No. When Gene no. Wilder is accompanied by one of three things. Mel Brooks, Richard Pryor, or 30 Tons of Chocolate, he is unstoppable. But when he's accompanied by his wife, we shall see what we shall see. Hanky Panky is an unknown quantity to me, but we will be talking about it, Star Trek II, and Poltergeist next time on opening weekend. Damn. Oh, please, Hanky Panky isn't an unknown quantity to you, um, yum, 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 yum. You know all about it. I, well, you know what I do? I was going to say, uh-huh. like, there's a there's this Madonna song called Hanky Panky that's about spanking. And it's from the Dick Tracy soundtrack. And that oh. is what I think of when I think of Hanky Panky. I think of this very fun. Spanking Madonna. Silly song. I, I do. I, it, might get, <laughs> it might get like seven Sheilas just for that. <laughs> I might be like, this movie was a, a tire fire, but I kept thinking about spanking Madonna during it. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> right up there with Return of the Jedi. Dan, what you got for us this week? First of all, I can't wait for Star Trek 2. I just can't Yay. wait. It's going to be the greatest Star Trek 2. I was going to do, how about this? I'll do a little Hallelujah. Shrek, about a little bit of that. And then we go right into little main lady marmalade. Lady Lady Marmalade. Marmalaven. Marmalade. Lady Carverzai. Lady Marmalade. Lady Marmoset. Okay. Lady Marmoset. But first we do a little. Let me tune up because this is going to be a toughie. Okay. There we go. All right. We'll do a little. So we'll do. What's the name of it? Hallelujah. Into. Into. Lady Marmalar Lar. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Okay.
Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. Oh. You just farted oh. with your hand, hand, hand. With your hand, hand, hand. With your hand, hand, hand. You can't escape it, Dan. No, you can't. Dan, Dan, Dan. It's a Dan, Dan, Dan. It's the Dan, opening Dan, weekend Dan. podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Thank you.